All right, and welcome to Hattrick Sports Talk. After what has been just a wild week with the election and everything else going on in the world, I know it's been heavy on everybody, but hopefully we can bring you a little bit of joy as we are talking about one of our favorite things, sports, which we haven't really gotten a chance to really deep dive into uh, over the last week with everything. So hopefully uh, this will bring you some joy. That is always our hope, but especially for this week. As always, I'm joined by Shane and Brandon. How are you guys doing today? Doing well, doing well. How about you? Good, Brandon. You good? Yep. All right, let's get started. We have a really fun slate of news, some funny stuff, some pretty crazy stuff just all over the map. This is a pretty good uh, news week, considering that pretty much the biggest thing on is the NFL. But we begin with breaking news from this morning. The Red Sox have decided to rehire Alex Correa after the sign-standing scandal in 2018. The Red Sox have decided to rehire him. So we're going to start there today. Uh, Shane, you have a pretty you're, – you're, you're very confused. That's – um. What, why? That uh... – I mean, he won him a ring. Whether it's fraudulent or not is up for debate. I know, but they sucked this year. Oh, they were horrible this year. I'd get him out of there, get a fresh start. Maybe fraudulent is not a good word for this week, but you get what I'm saying. <laughs> Either well, way. Yeah. Uh, no, I, it, no, it is. It um, was. Yeah. But, uh, Brandon, your thoughts on Correa um, getting rehired by the Red Sox? Um, it's a it's a little weird that they would re-sign him after firing him for the reasons that he was fired for, but look, I mean, I don't really think there's any other solid options out there currently. I do agree with that, but there is something that doesn't, I don't know. It just feels like a mess. Honestly, I don't understand the point of, of rehiring him. I don't get like, yeah, Brandon's absolutely right. What options are there after a shortened season, all this other stuff, but to just rehire him, like, is he really going to make the team that much better? I mean, the Red Sox were honestly abysmal this year, Uh, but Shane, go ahead and uh, finish up with your thoughts there. No. Yeah. I don't, I mean, I don't think he really is going to, turn that organization around by any means you know i mean it's it's uh it just feels like kind of a a desperation move you know mm-hmm. because I mean, like brennan said it's like well there's no one else and this guy's already here we're familiar with him so i guess we'll just keep him around you know but it's kind of like you know is that really the the right move after he you know after the whole cheating scandal and then of course after you know, after, uh, um, you know, this season when they were so bad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's that's an interesting move, to say the least. But, uh, you know, well, whatever works for them, I guess. <laughs> I don't it's, know. It's really interesting from an, inter- uh, from an ownership group standpoint. Excuse me. Um, this Red Sox ownership group looks kind of dead in the water right now. Uh, from all the reports I'm hearing from out of Boston and all these things where these decisions do feel like desperation. I mean, we talked about the Mookie Betts trade even and how that felt really bad. I mean, that was a colossal failure, clearly, 
considering the Dodgers won the World Series, there there is a significant issue um, with the ownership group, and I think that also rears its ugly head here with the Correa hire as well. Yeah. Yeah, it's um, I don't know. They're doing something strange in that with that organization <laughs> because. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Excuse me. Bless you. Uh, because uh, I dusted my pillow off here. It's probably uh, going all over. Anyways. Um, but yeah, no, because I mean, that's like. I mean, I never understood the Mookie Betts trade at all. Um, I still don't. <laughs> they clearly lost it. I mean, that's worse than like. I mean, that trade is worse than, you know, D Hop and, uh, and uh, David Johnson. <laughs> yeah but uh it's even worse than the james harden trade which we just had an anniversary for last year yeah, or yeah. last week excuse me um so yeah i don't know it's kind of it's kind of weird but i mean i you know i i'm not expecting let's just say this i'm not expecting much out of the red Sox in the next few years yeah I would agree with that. Um, let's let's move on to the NFL now. Um, these primetime NFL games have been abysmal this year. <laughs> let's just put it out there. They've been yeah. so bad. Um, do we even have a reaction, Brandon? Do you even have a reaction to last night's game at all? It, was there anything substantial that that stood out to you? No. It's, it, 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 it wasn't... It wasn't a game. <laughs> it was just like watching someone play Madden and yeah. just like kicking the crap out of the other player. Devontae Adams felt like a Madden player yesterday for sure. Shane, do you have anything substantial to add here? Well, that, yeah, that's the thing. I was, um, you know, I was sitting there watching. I only watched the first half of that game. Same, pretty much. Uh, <laughs> like, th- I stopped in like the third quarter. Yeah. And my, and my dad and I were sitting there watching it, and I, I said, he he looks like he's playing a college defense. Yeah. You know? Like, he was just – he had all the time in the world. He was just sitting back there, and he, he was just, like, throwing the ball. And it just looked like he was, you know, just doing a nice lob in the backyard. But then, it, you know, it goes 50 yards to, you know, Devontae Adams. And, and Valdez Scantling, too, of course, yeah, that 52-yard then- bomb. Right. And then it's just like, oh, yeah, okay. And, you know, he's just kind of like out there, you know, just kind of half-assing it. And he's like, yeah, oh, there's a guy. Okay. Yeah. Oh, touchdown. Wow. You know, I was like, well, really? This is oh, okay. Um, yeah. No. Um, you know, I think that just goes to show a couple of things for starters. When Aaron Rodgers has his confidence up, he is excellent. And also, or just playing with a lead in general, but also um, injuries are really killing the 49ers um, because, I mean, you know, you just look at who they had out from injuries and also trades, whatever. And um, yeah, they just looked totally out of it. Yeah, but I would argue, I don't think the 49ers would have been, I don't think injuries in this world. Like, Brandon, I, is your I, mic okay? Your mic's kind of glitching out. I just don't think they would have helped the, the Niners that much. Even with it being fully healthy? Yeah. And the reason I say that is because, I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo isn't that good. 
Let's be honest. Like, this, he has not been that good. And that, that Packers defense last night was like, they were not even putting in that much effort. So, yeah. Well, look at, I mean, the thing, though, the thing is, though, like, they, those teams played twice last year. And the San Francisco defense, when they were healthy, they completely shut down Aaron Rodgers in that offense. But it's not healthy, so that's what I mean. That, that's what I'm saying. Like, if they were healthy, I, I mean, I disagree with you, Brennan. I feel like they would have had. I feel like Rodgers would have had at least some trouble. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, but but San Francisco didn't they give up? Didn't they deal some of their major pieces on defense in the off season? Well, they dealed one major piece on the trade yeah. deadline, which we'll get to. Um, well, yeah, but he didn't even play they, that much. Um, Quan yeah. Alexander, who we'll get to in a bit. And then that other guy who they got rid of in the offseason. Um, what's his name? Not Ford. But oh, yeah, No, they got rid of DeForest. They, yeah, they got rid of Buckner. Oh, but, yeah. Who was a big aspect of their defense last year. And is an even bigger aspect of the Colts defense. He's been yeah, underrated so this year. That's yeah. my thing. They got rid of their ability to – they got rid of their ability to really – put pressure and I mean and especially now that Bose was hurt I was really shocked by that trade to get rid of or or getting rid of Buckner I I thought they were I mean yes they would have had to put a lot of money into him but yeah I mean they got Javon Kinlaw which we'll see how that works out um in that deal basically for exchange in the draft so we don't even know the jury's kind of still out on that one uh, in terms of Quan Alexander, or excuse me, uh, Javon Kinlaw's development, but yeah. So I mean, for me, I so my reaction is I think we need to now. Obviously, Russell is the clear MVP front runner, but I think we need to put Aaron Rodgers at least in the conversation, at least somewhat. I know that this game wasn't a great contributor of that necessarily, but if you look at the totality of his season, you look at how this offense is played. Considering that Green Bay has looked at Will Fuller, which we talked about, they are not necessarily completely confident with their receivers, and this offense is still playing as as well as it has. I think you need to put Aaron Rodgers in the MVP conversation just a little bit. Um, secondly, Brandon, you mentioned the cap issues. I mean, a major part of those cap issues is Jimmy Garoppolo's contract. So if they let him go, Again, as we talked about with Dak and the Cowboys, it's kind of a it's kind of a domino effect um, with all these trades that they made. I think a, a huge reason why they are in cap trouble, and then obviously there are other reasons. Jerry McKinnon has a pretty big deal as well, but um, Garoppolo's contract is certainly part of it. Um, it's and I felt like the Packers' defense, yeah, they didn't put in that much effort, but it's not it's not an amazing defense. So I think it, that worries me when we get to playoff time there's going to be better offenses that they're going to play uh, in the playoffs. So that's something that concerns me. Uh, but long-term for the Niners right now, what, what, what are you looking at? Like, is it just, what do you do with Garoppolo? Do you keep him at this point? Like I have a hard time deciding to move or to move Garoppolo to cut him. I mean, the, the cap only isn't that bad to cut him. Um, are you both at a point where it's time to move on from Jimmy Garoppolo and figure something else out, especially that they're probably going to have a high pick this year at this point? I think so. I mean, I think there's a lot of guys that you could trade for that would work better there. Um, One guy obviously being Dak, 
Uh, I've even heard Aaron Rodgers from a few people. I don't well, think he's going to leave Fran. Green Bay. He's not going to leave Green Bay, but you know he's no. a San Fran guy and all that stuff. So I would yeah. expect that type of rumor. Um, Matt Ryan, I've heard, because uh, Kyle Shanahan came from Atlanta, obviously. That would be interesting. Um, they obviously worked, but, um, you know, who knows what they could do? Uh, I mean, you know, or they could draft a guy, maybe like a Trey Lance or something. Who knows? Uh, they might be in position to get Fields. I think Fields is going to be an interesting spot that up the high? board. Well, how high do you think the Niners are going to be picking? I mean, that would have to be like a top five pick probably. Top ten, I would say. I don't know if – well, actually, yeah, maybe top five. I don't know. Because, like, I... the Jaguars would be, like, the second or third pick. and they're. Probably you think the Jaguars are going to move on now too? Mm, uh, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. I don't know. That's a whole another issue in itself, but yeah, uh, <laughs> Minshew is out this week. I believe Jake Luton is supposed to start this weekend. So, oh, watch out, everyone! So that's uh, gonna be interesting. <laughs> um, the Brandon, what do you do if you're the Niners with Garoppolo? Um, well, you can't exactly keep. You can't exactly afford to keep to have him and have him as your second string. And let's be honest, none of the quarterbacks, none of the quarterbacks on the on San Francisco are any good. Yeah. (laughs) Mullins will be the star of the rest of the year as it stands. So Mullins is pretty terrible anyway. So, he's okay, but he's not like. I mean, he's not, not starter exactly. <laughs> well, but here's the thing, like I actually heard something interesting. Um, I was I forget who was talking about this, but there's there's become there's a difference these days between starter and franchise. Mm-hmm. Franchise is like Hall of Fame level. Starter is like, oh, you're good enough to start. It used to be that you would have starter level guys getting franchise tagged. Now you're like getting like the or getting like the franchise label. Label. Nowadays, if you get the franchise label for a team, you are a Hall of Famer. Well, it depends because or like you are you're gonna be close to the you're either very close to the Hall of Fame or you're gonna be a Hall of Famer. So, I mean, there there are only a couple. I, I guess you're right in the sense that there are only a couple of teams. Let's let, let's, let me think about this. So, Matt Ryan in Atlanta was a franchise guy, but you probably would list him as the starter place, but he was technically a franchise guy these days. Yeah, I guess that's part of it is that for a bunch of these guys like Matt Ryan, Matthew Stafford, for example, those guys were starter material back, you know, back in the day and now – um, I guess are less known as franchise guys. So yeah, I, I think that's but a like, fair point. But like, but like, think about it, like Green Bay, Aaron Rodgers, franchise guy. Seattle, Russell Wilson, franchise guy. Uh, Tom Brady when he was in New England, franchise guy. Uh, yeah. Hall oh, of Famer, I would say. Hall of, right, so, but that's the point. Like Hall of Famer, you think Hall of Famer, you think franchise. Um, so it's. I mean, then where do you label them? Well, hang on. Then where do you label? I mean, I guess it's kind of early, but like, for example, Deshaun Watson, you'll label him as a franchise guy in Houston, but you don't label him as a Hall of Famer. I don't know. I don't know if I would label him. I mean, he's 
he's like that weird. I mean, he's 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 getting franchise money, which he should. I mean, but well, but like, should he though? Like, he hasn't exactly brought in well results. the coaching well, staff to work with favors. <laughs> True, I guess. And then, uh, like, for example, the young guys, you know, Herbert's been playing at least so far at a Hall of Fame level. But, of course, he's got to win some mm. chips for that. But, he's I mean, still a starter for me. Still a starter because of his young career. So there, there, are a few, there are a few caveats, but your overall point stands in the fact that they're to be considered really like a, a franchise guy. Right. A team a, a, to basically win Super Bowls, because obviously to, to be like, a Hall of Famer, you got to win some Super Bowls. Ba- basically, two. my point is the quarterbacks that are like the consistently like long term having their starting job secure are the ones who are consistently like who are on the, whose careers are on a pace to, you know, there are some odd ones out like Matthew Stafford or. Uh, um, uh, or Watson or Ryan, and I think in those cases, as you say, they they're players who have suffered from having unfortunately bad staffs around them. Because mm-hmm. I would argue that if Matthew Stafford was around, had a better coaching staff around him in his career, he could be he would be all the famer. We've or made that argument throughout this yeah. show's history. So, so I mean, yeah, uh. Let's go to the 10 o'clock games here. Shane, I'll start with you. I think there are a couple good ones here, but I know there's one in particular uh, that we're all looking out for. Uh, the uh, the one we're looking for, I assume, is Baltimore Indy? No, the one below that. Well, both of them, I guess. Yeah. Um, uh, but you can start with Baltimore Indy. Well, sure. I uh, Yeah, I mean... You know, this is this is another interesting matchup for both of these teams. They've had quite a few in recent weeks, but um, because I feel like these are the teams that both of them would have a hard time beating, if that makes sense. You know, because you look at Indy, they got they've got a really good defense. But they, you know, a lot of that came from the fact that they played some uh, some pretty, you know, weak offenses early in the season. Now, recently, you're seeing them against, uh, you know, teams like, uh, uh, you know, even like Cincinnati last week, where they almost lost. Um, I mean, that, you know, they're not amazing by any means. <laughs> Um, and so, you know, that's, that makes me wonder, okay, well, how's their defense going to do against a Baltimore offense that is inconsistent, I guess. I think that's the right word choice. (laughs) I mean, they, they put up a lot of yards, but they don't exactly, sometimes they do, but then they don't always get points or vice versa. Whatever. I don't know. Um, so, you know, I, I just wonder how. I wonder how that's going to turn out, how Baltimore's offense is going to do. And I think it'll be a real test for both of them. Um, and then, you know, on the other side, I mean, I think that uh, Indy's offense is a little bit limited by Phillip Rivers. Got to throw the ball deep. He did it last week. I got to see it again. Let's keep it yeah. rolling. 
And you know, that's another thing with Baltimore's defense is, um, you know, can their front seven step up and get pressure to him and force, you know, Phillip Rivers to make bad throws or whatever, because that's, I think that's going to be a key for their defense. Um, and, you know, I think if they will do, I think if they can do that and if uh, Baltimore can just drive, 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 eat the clock, I think they could win. Mm-hmm. Uh, but overall, I th- think I like Indy. That's how I'm feeling too. Brandon, what's your thoughts on way. this? Uh, sorry, Shane, but uh, Brandon, what's your thoughts on this? Do you think the Colts have an upset bid here? I mean, I think the Colts are having a good season, but I don't think the Colts have played anyone like the Ravens. I think the Ravens are better than I think we give them credit for this year. Um, I think you said Colts, last week you don't think they're that good. No, I said I thought that their starting quarterback wasn't that good. Defensively, I'm they're I'm a not beast. saying their team is not that good. Um their team, honestly, is has some of the best pieces in the league. Um, and if you're playing against the Colts, I'm not about to trust the Colts and Phillip Rivers. So, yeah. I'm trying. Uh, uh, my apologies. I am trying to look up the odds for that for this game in particular. <laughs> um, but um, let's move on to uh, Seahawks Bills. I definitely for me the main game I'm looking forward to in the ten o'clock hour. Ben, I'll start with you. Jamal Adams coming back. This is probably going to be – we might take a couple of weeks, but th- we're finally going to start to see this real Seahawks defense that we've continuously talked about. Brandon, go ahead on that. Yeah, uh, I think – yeah, I actually think that this is going to be a rough day for the Bills. Um, I just think Jamal Adams coming back, I think – is gonna put pressure on on him on Josh Allen. I just don't think Josh Allen does does well with pressure. Um, I think I, I and again like our offense. I mean nobody's been able to stop the Seahawks offense really that much this year. And I mean it's they, a top they, five offense. They, We're not they, debating they put, that. Right. They right. And my point is like I think this is gonna be the first game where we really start to see the Seahawks. Well, I guess you could argue the second game where we start to see the Seahawks defense kind of like start to tick up and up and up. Hopefully. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Interesting betting odds for both of these games. Uh, Seahawks bills right now is bills plus three, hmm. which is interesting. And then Colts plus one and a half. So those are some interesting odds for these two big games. Uh, Shane, I'll go to you. Of course, uh, you're kind of the Josh Allen expert here, especially that you have him on your fantasy team. So you've been kind of rolling <laughs> through the ups and downs. Um, does this game concern you uh, from Josh Allen's perspective? I think so. You know, I mean, it's in recent weeks, he has looked really bad against, I mean, let's be honest, like middle tier defenses. <laughs> and, you know, I think that, you know, it's like we've been saying, I mean, I, I think the, the Seattle defense when they're healthy and when they, you know, especially if they play like they did last week, I mean, they have the potential to be like a top 15 defense. Um, And especially now with Jamal Adams back and with uh, Carlos Dunlap, 
you know, that's going to create a pass rush, which is what they really needed. And so I just think, and then, you know, you have, I mean, Jamal, Adam, he, he's like two defenders in one, basically. He's, I mean, he's all over the place. And then, you know, if you just have Dunbar, someone on, uh, on, on uh, Stefan Diggs, then you have the other Diggs, Quandre. It know, might be, it might be Shaquille Griffin. He might be back. Oh, Willie? Uh, he might actually be back for this week. Well, if I remember correctly. So anyways, regardless, you know, you get somebody on man coverage for uh, digs and then you have the other digs playing in like zone and then not you know, related, by the way, I don't believe what the two digs, Stefan and Quandre. No, I don't think they are. Um, but if you just do that, then, you know, I, I think he'll. I think Allen will be, you know, because he's definitely, he's definitely a bit, uh, you know, trigger happy. He he tends to make ill-advised throws every now and then. And so he, you know, you get that pressure on him and then he'll probably make a few bad throws. And I mean, he's probably going to get picked a couple of times um, if they just have the right coverage. So, uh, yeah, uh, and then, I mean, Buffalo's run defense for starters is terrible. So, you know, good thing that's happening while all the Seattle's uh, <laughs> running backs are <laughs> having their health issues. But uh, um, we'll see if Carson comes back. I think. I wonder if he. I think he's practiced in some limited fashion this week, if I'm not mistaken. Today he is. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's kind of up in the air, but yeah. It could go either way. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, he has a midfoot sprain. I'm surprised he's even considering coming back <laughs> so soon. But uh, EJ Dallas played really well in replacement last week. Yeah. So, yeah. No, I think this is an easy game. Or not easy, but, you know, I, I think the Seahawks win it by, you know, two touchdowns probably. Mm-hmm. I would yeah. agree with that. Uh, the actual Stefan Diggs brother, Trayvon Diggs, oh, who I've been raving about for the Cowboys, uh, they go up against the Steelers. I don't think we need to focus on this game. We kind of already know what the Cowboys look like, other than the fact that uh, Ben DiNucci won't be starting. It's the AAF standout. I believe he was the AAF uh, yards leader, the Alliance of American Football uh, yards leader, and Garrett Gilbert. No, Garrett Gilbert. So DiNucci oh. <laughs> will be out. Um, he, he will not play. He got benched. So it's either going to be the AF standout Garrett Gilbert or Cooper Rush, who's been on their practice squad um, and on their 53 man, barely making it to 53 man for like the last five or six years. Uh, so that's going to be rough, especially against the Steelers defense. Um, uh, two interesting matchups that are focused on Brandon. I'll go to you. Uh, the matchup first of two young quarterbacks in the Dolphins and the Cardinals. Uh, you've been really impressed with this Dolphins defense in particular. Yeah, I think they've done a really good job. Um, I do question how well they're going to be able to shut down the Cardinals. Um, I mean, they're basically going to have to do a similar thing that they did with with uh, the Rams and just make them make mistakes and capitalize off of it. Um, how do you think the two quarterbacks are going to perform, particularly Tua, uh, he was he didn't have the best of showings, but also 
the defense did most of the work. Do you have higher expectations for Tua in this game in particular? Oh boy. I don't I don't predict good things for Tua in this game. I think he's gonna get picked a couple times. Um he this is a bad show. this is a bad game, I think, for a rookie quarterback to be coming into. I mean, one of the best things the Cardinals have going for them on defense is their um secondary. Um and like Tua didn't exactly show much mm. good last week. Uh, Shane, I'll go to, to you for that as well. Uh, expectations for Tua. Are you worried about this matchup against Arizona? Well, I'm not worried about Arizona's defense necessarily because I mean they're they're really not that good. And that's the thing about you know last week. I mean, LA has. A good defense, obviously. Um, but the thing is, it's like, you know, Tua, I feel, didn't really need to do a lot because obviously, like we were saying, Miami's defense carried that game, but also it's just. How do I say this? I don't. I don't think. Uh, I don't. I don't see Arizona's defense as like a, a particular threat to him. Uh, I do agree with Brandon. You know that secondary is probably going to pick him off once or twice. Um, but it's. You know. I, I mean. I see. I see both of these teams scoring around thirty points. Mm-hmm. Just because. You know, Arizona has. Uh, I mean, they have a very explosive offense. They just do, uh, you know. I mean, Kyler can can beat you several ways. I mean, he's, um, you know, he's really taking advantage of all the weapons he has, and he himself is a weapon with his feet. And um, not to mention, you know, they have pretty good running back help as well. So, you know, I, I could see them scoring, you know, 30 points 40 points but then you know you look at this Miami defense and it's like well maybe not you know I think I think it's most likely that they I I think if anything it probably ends up being like 28-21 Arizona or 28-24 maybe Mm -hmm. yeah something like that um you know like a medium to high scoring affair Mm -hmm. i'll go ahead and preview uh the raiders and the chargers these are two really good offenses of course we talk about Derek carr and herbert herbert's been i believe dealing with an injury i believe he was limited in practice yesterday he should be okay i'm pretty sure he should be okay to go but if he is uh this is going to be an offensive showcase really interested to see what defense kind of uh jumps out the page here the chargers defense hasn't net it's been it hasn't been great but hasn't necessarily been perfect. Of course, uh, Brian and I spoke about this on Sunday. Um, this team just has to finish in the fourth quarter. Uh, when you play teams like the Raiders and these weird, um, you know, AFC West matchups, you always have some of these weird close games where a team kind of blows a lead. So hopefully that's not the case for the Chargers. But if they blow another one, uh, we might have a discussion about Anthony Lynn moving forward, I would think. Um, I'll have you both preview the Saints and the Buccaneers. Brandon, I'll start with you. 
Uh, we have a couple receivers uh, coming back in the fold. Of course, Michael Thomas looks like he'll be ready to go. But also on the other side, we see the return of Antonio Brown. Uh, how do you feel like AB is going to affect this offense, not only in this game, but long term for the Buccaneers? Yeah, uh, I think Antonio Brown, he'll either be a really good addition or he'll do absolutely nothing. Um, I think it'll kind of be, I personally think he's going to do good for the team. I think he's, he's as problematic as he is off the field. I think he still has a lot of skill. Um, and I think the buck, it'll be a really good addition to the Buccaneers. I think this game will be pretty good. Um, because these are both pretty good offenses this year, um, and it should be entertaining to watch. Mm-hmm. Uh, Shane, your thoughts on Antonio Brandon? I'll ask you about the Saints side as well. Yeah, I think um, I definitely think he's a a good piece for this offense if he can, you know, act or if if he can keep his act in check, right? Because, and he, I I mean, I assume he will at least for now, because, I mean, he's – the guy's walking on eggshells. <laughs> that's no secret, you know, just with everything that's happened and with how hesitant uh, Bruce Arians apparently was just to even let him in. So, you know, that's um, – I think I think that works in their favor in terms of how he'll behave. Um but, you know, just as a player, I mean, he's he's really good, obviously. It's, you know, it's just – it's yet another, uh, you know, dynamic receiver for Brady who can do deep balls but also is a great route runner, catcher, whatever, everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I, I, do, I do think he's good for them because – uh, you know, Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, as good as they are, have been kind of up and down throughout the year. So, and injuries as well. Right. Don't forget that. So, you know, it's – I think it's good for them just to have a, you know, a consistent guy who's always there or whatever, assuming. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, for the Saints side, are they having Michael Thomas back? It seems likely. He is – he's been practicing – I don't, have, I don't have an update on him if he practiced in full today, but I think he's been limited in practice the last few days. It's looking more and more likely he'll play on Sunday. Because I think that definitely makes a difference with this game. I think if they – I think if they have Michael Thomas, they are competitive. Mm-hmm. But if they don't, just looking at Tampa with – uh, with AB in the mix now, I think they win this pretty easily. I will I also say a couple of things uh, in terms of game script for Antonio Brown, at least for right now, Arians has said that he's going to play about 20, 25 snaps. That's also why I asked about sort of the future with Antonio Brown, but also it's an interesting thing on the Saints side because Drew Brees has been limited in practice this week with uh, shoulder. Uh, Alvin Kamara has been limited earlier in the week in practice. This Saints team is coming into this week very banged up, so it does also change 
a couple of um, sort of how they have prepared for this game with a lot of their stars dealing with um, some nagging ailments as well. Yeah. Um, well, and, you know, when, when we saw these teams the first time, uh, Tampa was, you know, it was Brady's first game with Tampa, so it wasn't going to be perfect, obviously. And, you know, they were in New Orleans, not that the crowd is a big deal, obviously, but because there is none. But There was none in that game. They've right. since added fans there, thankfully, or right. just but a small they, amount, we, of course. You know, they still had to, you know, Tampa still had to travel. They weren't playing at home. You know, it's still a, it's still an adjustment. It's still, you know, there is still somewhat of an advantage in that regard. Mm-hmm. But now this time they're at home. They you know they they almost lost last week so they're gonna want to bounce back and uh, really do well and I mean I think you know this is a team this is a game that both of these teams feel they really need to win uh, for this division especially Tampa considering they lost the first one so Mm -hmm. uh, you know with that in mind I I think they will come extra prepared Um, you know they'll probably take advantage of the fact that New Orleans is a little banged up and they'll I think they'll probably get the win here. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brandon, your thoughts on the Saints, of course, having uh, all those injuries. How does that change your approach to this game uh, with the Saints having a bunch of their major guys being limited in practice this week? Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of the same old story every week. Like, no one's had full teams, I believe. It seems. Um, mm-hmm. There's been a couple times, normally on Thursdays and Fridays, but other than that. Yeah. But the Saints have kind of struggled in terms of players being on the field. Um, but I think it'll make for a fair game because both teams are kind of beat up right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, uh, Brandon, I'll also ask you about this Monday night game. We have some Patriots news that we'll get to. But I think one of the more interesting things, at least with this Monday night game, obviously it's the Jets. How can it be that interesting? But I also feel like the one piece that could be important is how the Patriots sort of, I guess, game script or how they really approach this game because they are also in a position where they're kind of down and out. How, if you're the Patriots, do you approach playing this uh, really terrible Jets team right now? Um, you approach it as if you can't do anything wrong. Mm-hmm. I mean, any team playing the Jets should like approach it with the feeling that like, as long as you play like a, a like a clean game of football, you should be able to beat them. It's that mm-hmm. simple. Yeah, the Jets have nothing. They have nothing going for them. Yeah, pretty much. I think you are right about that. I think, um, especially with the amount of penalties the Jets have, um, Sam Darnold being what he is now, uh, I think you're definitely right about that. Um, Let's get to, I believe, some uh, trade deadline news here. Um, So there's been... Let's see. So trade deadline... Yeah, so uh, the Chargers have sent Desmond King to the Titans in exchange for a six-round pick, and the Quan Alexander deal was Quan Alexander to the Saints in exchange for Kiko Alonso and a conditional fifth. So keep in mind, this trade deadline sucked. 
<laughs> I mean, we were expect like we were talking about AJ Green, we we're talking about Matt Ryan, we we're talking about Julio, we we're even talking about Michael Thomas a little bit, uh, even though that was kind of debunked by Sean Payton and a really funny gif, which was funny um, and enjoyable. But other than that, this is was a terrible trade deadline. But the biggest problem I had overall with this trade deadline was players like Quan Alexander. Really, Kiko Alonso is the best value you can get. Desmond <laughs> King, a sixth round pick. Carlos Dunlap. Um, Brandon, I'll go to you first on this as well. Why do you think some players, these big name guys who can be productive, their values are just so low? Why do you think that is? Because there's really – I don't think you can balance anything this season. It's like I think a lot of these guys who can be productive, I don't think a lot of teams are wanting to shift players this year because it's it's it, it takes like I think it's like a a, a two a week. Yeah, it's a week. You can up you can, it's a week right. basically a bye week for the player to travel right, exactly. and COVID testing. So I think a lot of these teams are like, nah, it ain't worth it. Um but it's also interesting because you get players like Carlos Dunlap who in a normal year might not have been picked up by the Seahawks who's getting picked up. So, oh, you're right. It is kind of weird. Shane, your thoughts on all these, uh, like, name brand guys pretty much. I mean, they're still productive, but pretty much name brand guys going for fifth, sixth round picks, um, at least some starter caliber linebackers. But, um, you know, in the case of the Alexander trade, but why do you think the values have been just extremely low for these uh, quality players? You know, I think, I mean, this is just me speculating because honestly, I have no idea. <laughs> but, you know, I, I'm just looking at the teams that are doing these trades. And it seems like a lot of them are guys that are saying, this team's not going anywhere. Get me out of here. I want to win. And so they're just kind of doing what they can to get them out. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But that wouldn't be the it... case with Quan Alexander. I mean, that was mostly a draft, or that was mostly a salary cap issue. But he still went for a sixth. Well, yeah, or fifth, or whatever. Yeah. Um, no, I'm not saying that's the case for everybody. But I mean, for like Carlos Dunlap, that was clearly the case. Um, because you know, oh yeah, Pro Bowl defensive lineman. What do we get out of him? Oh, a backup offensive tackle. Oh, okay, great. <laughs> you know, um, so that's. You know, I, I think that's definitely probably part of the reason. Um, but I mean, this is, I mean, I mean, this, this is just a weird NFL season in general <laughs> with, um, you know, with the virus and everything else happening. So I don't know. It's, it's strange. Um, I mean, I, I couldn't tell you why. It's all just speculation for people like us, but that would be my, I would guess that's at least part of the reason for lots of these trades. Uh, and then uh, okay so here's our first uh, weird and funny in some way funny but also yeah I don't know this is just a weird tweet uh, by Tack McKinley former first round pick of the Atlanta Falcons he'd been wanting to be traded for about two years now and he posted this on Twitter um, this week these Atlanta Falcons turned down a second round pick for me when I requested to get traded last year the same Falcons turned on a fifth or sixth 
from multiple teams that are requested to get traded. I only have 17.5 career sack, and he used the clown emoji uh, three times. And then the coaching staff of the Falcons basically said he's going to get punished for this tweet, as he should. Um, your guys' thoughts on this? Because this was just a bizarre tweet, also kind of funny with the clown emojis. Uh, Brandon, <laughs> you go first. Uh, your thoughts on Tack McKinley? I mean, it's, I I mean, look, like I'm trying to figure out if if this one. If this tweet is better, or if Carlos Dunlap's tweet, Carl Carlos Dunlap's tweet was better, because like they're both saying the same thing. I don't want to be here. But the clown Crazy. emojis, though. Oh, the clown emoji is great. Cla- like, because the Falcons are being clowns. Like, <laughs> first they turned out a second round pick, then they turned out a fifth and a sixth. They should just trade him when he had the second round pick. I mean, it's pretty good value for a first round pick. Uh, Shane, your thoughts on this tweet? I mean, I you know, I don't blame the guy. Honestly, it's kind of funny, you know, just the fact that he just totally roasts his own team uh, on Twitter of all places. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, jeez. Uh, yeah, no, I, um, you know, honestly, more power to the guy, you know, if he wants wants to do it. Uh, what a, what a mess of an organization that is. Um, yeah, interesting. It's clear that it's clear that the Falcons weren't happy with this tweet, according to all reports from the coaching staff. That's understandable. Definitely a weird one. I mean, they should have traded him, you know, before the deadline. Just as Shane said, a lot of these guys uh, that need to just go out, you know, let him let him go. But, um, you know, Tack McKinley, I believe, will be a free agent this offseason uh, as they didn't accept his fifth year option uh, last offseason, if I'm not mistaken. So um, hopefully uh, he'll get out there soon enough in a few months. Um, but clearly, again, these uh, as we talk about with the Falcons, it's it's really been a mess. Um, and then, uh, we'll have another funny tweet, I think, uh, here pretty soon, but before we get to that, uh, the Raiders have fined or the Raiders got fined 500 K John Gruden got fined 150 K after Trent Brown's positive COVID test and all those things surrounding it. The Raiders of course, um, got a warning earlier in the season for not wearing masks during the game. Uh, Shane, I'll go to you first here. What are your thoughts on the NFL expanding on the fines? And also, let's not forget also that the, excuse me, the Raiders also lost a six-round pick in this fine as well. So they got fined just because Trent Brown got COVID? And like all the stuff surrounding that, I think there were some issues in terms of uh, hospitalization issues, didn't diagnose them quick enough. I, I don't I don't remember all the internal details. I don't think a lot of that information is out there. Um, but uh, they, according to the NFL, there was definitely some unsafe practices. Yeah. I mean, there, there has to be more to the story because, I mean, so many guys in the league have obviously gotten it 
and they haven't really cared or I mean they have but the the NFL hasn't when I say that I the, mean the, NFL the protocol the, well not that it's that the protocols that they are putting in place the teams are following in these instances right so maybe that wasn't the case with Trent Brown in- I mean it has to be um because but if they did find them just because he got it then that's that's kind of scummy <laughs> um but uh yeah I mean you know since since this has happened though I'm I'm sure they didn't follow protocols in that case uh shame on them you know mm-hmm. join the titans in the ranks of teams to not be liked by Brandon Wittes. <laughs> also, I will say that the uh, that the Titans weren't they were fine, but they didn't get a pick violation. They didn't lose a sixth round pick. See, for that's all weird. their things. But the that's Raiders, because they got two COVID offenses, they got the sixth. Round oh, pick the I way. see. Uh, but again, even though it was two offensive offenses, the Titans had a pretty terrible outbreak that was not managed correctly. Uh, yeah, but they Brandon, had a much worse situation. But uh, Brandon, your thoughts on the Raiders' fines and how the NFL is sort of treating this whole situation? I think it's a little weird, like that they didn't have a similar, that they didn't treat the Titans the same way. Because like the Titans, they just did not give a crap. <laughs> I they mean, really didn't. Like it, it just. Nice job censoring yourself. Yeah, you are. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, yeah, it. I don't know. It is confusing. Yeah, I mean, I love how the NFL has handled the protocols, but these fines are definitely strange. I mean, we'll see. How, we'll see how much more fines we have as the season goes along. Of course, we're now firmly in the second half of the season, um, but it was definitely weird to see that they, I believe, um, got a six-round pick, which I think is more important than the fines. Um, for them, I, I I have no clue what um in terms of details. <laughs> no one gets that pick; it's just gone. Uh, that was same with the Patriots when they lost all their picks. Um, well, that sucks for one college player. Yeah, I wonder if there's some hmm. conditional picks that go to other teams. That might also be the case, but um, yeah, it's just a weird situation. Uh, Trent Brown, that was like a whole saga of a situation. He got COVID and then had some other issues where he had to go to the hospital. Um, and then with COVID as well, I know the Jags, one of their running backs uh, had to be hospitalized multiple times uh, for heart issues due to COVID. So that was uh, pretty uh, sad as well. But so it hasn't been necessarily perfect. Uh, and he's out for the year. I think it was Armstead uh, for the Jags, but um, it hasn't been perfect, but it's worked, I think, better as a whole than I think we expected. So they're figuring it out. <laughs> I think they're fig- they're always figuring it out as they go. Yeah. Um, but it's definitely better than I think we all expected. Yeah, uh, I mean, I was saying a few weeks ago on the show, I was like, how are they even going to finish the season? You guys were like, well, no, you know, we'll figure it out <laughs> one way or another. And uh, they have. So you know. um, back to the funny tweets. Um <laughs> Juju and James Conner got fined 500k for wearing their socks too low during the game on Sunday. You mean 5k or 5k? Excuse me. Um, <laughs> he says specifically your 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 socks or your stockings failed to failed to cover your lower leg, and James Conner also got fined uh, that same amount. I didn't know. I knew about the sock violation, but I didn't understand. 
why you would get fined for it. I thought that you would get a warning first for it. It well, just who even cares. <laughs> your thought suck. It's not like it's your. Oh, you weren't wearing your helmet correctly. Yeah, fined him for that. But oh, your sock was too short. What? Well, who cares? Can't a guy breathe a little <laughs> with his legs? <laughs> mm. <clears throat> yeah. Brandon, your thoughts on this mess? It's uh, honestly one of the dumbest things I've heard in football. Just like, like, what? Who cares? NFL, about the NFL's just getting greedy. They just want more and more money. Yeah, exactly. Who cares about your socks? Nobody in college does that. I mean, honestly, like, what, like, what's the point? Like, it's not like it's some safety thing. Who cares? I think their approach is that it's a safety thing. I have to read through this more closely. Yeah, but how is that a safety thing? I don't know. Cover the entire area below the knee, and they prefer. Oh my god. The most amazing, I'm just skimming through the policy, right? And this is unnecessarily too long. And honestly, it's honestly feels like a legal document for socks, (laughs) which I don't understand. I also don't get the point of why they cannot be altered to fit the player's preferences. That's weird. Uh, uniform laws. Yeah, that is so weird. I would imagine that they 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 should appeal this, and I think they probably will. Um, it's just oh my god. Um, I probably need to read the document more thoroughly when we have these kind of topics because it does say stuff. But anyway, this is pretty confusing anyway, (laughs) since all the highlighting. But um. Definitely something they should go to the appeals court for, but I can't believe that you would have to appeal uh, sock wearing. That's just bizarre. Um, Of all things. Of all things that the NFL uh, needs you to appeal or would have you appeal. Uh, So Bill Belichick gave a response to the Patriots' recent struggles by saying, we sold out and won three Super Bowls. That's literally what he said earlier this week. We <laughs> sold out and won three Super Bowls. Brandon, your reaction to Bill Belichick's comments? Well, what the hell does he mean by sold out? It means that they put all their assets into winning Super Bowls right away. Well, I mean, why wouldn't they? I mean, if you, if you have a great – I mean, that's what most teams would do, wouldn't they? When they have a great I mean, quarterback, I mean, it's, it's, it sounds like he's trying. It's he's like, oh, trying to defend himself or something. But like, I don't see anything to defend. Jane, do you see anything to defend here? No, I mean, it's kind of a weird comment to just, <laughs> yeah, to just randomly make. But uh, you know, I actually, <laughs> I actually have a problem with this comment. And here's why. I believe that they didn't sold out to win three Super Bowls. I really don't believe that. Because as we've talked about, 
Uh, I mean, he's talking about for the last whatever five years, uh, or probably since the decade with the three Super Bowls. That team, the 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 last half of Tom Brady's run when he run those three Super Bowls, those teams weren't that good. No, they were. It's not like it's not like they brought in a bunch of star players to build around Brady. Draft pick wise, they drafted terribly. That's a huge reason why they're in the position they are in now. But like, they traded badly. Um, I mean, obviously this is more recent, but a second round pick for Mohamed Sanu, who's literally taking tryouts right now um, for teams. But like, they didn't really sell out. They didn't really give him great receivers over these last three Super Bowl runs. They didn't really have. They still had a top defense, but um, only last year did it really kind of pop out. But it's just like. This idea that they made like a super team and sold out like it's like the Golden State Warriors with Kevin Durant is just not accurate whatsoever. Those Mm -hmm. teams weren't even that great. It was just sort of the system. And honestly, I I could see people making the argument that it was more Brady than anything, um, considering how well he's been at Tampa and how bad Belichick's been now. But obviously that has a lot to do with how the team is built now as well in New England. But again, this idea that it was sold out is kind of bizarre because even with all the Super Bowl teams, we didn't really think they were necessarily the best team in the league in terms of roster quality, if that makes sense. Yeah, no. But, you know, it's interesting you say that about, you know, Brady and Belichick and how they've performed in in their new situations. <laughs> and, you know, the, the biggest question that was on all of our minds was, you know, who's going to win this divorce, so to speak? I would say divorce is the right term for this. Yeah. Uh, Brady or Belichick. And, you know, it was a matter of who, you know, is Brady actually just good or is it that Belichick really elevated him? And I think we're starting to see now that it's more, it's more the former than anything. Because you look at you look at Belichick's record without Brady before him and now it's not that good. <laughs> I mean, he's he's not even over five hundred, um, and it's you know I mean it's not like Cam is that bad of a quarterback necessarily. I mean, he's not great anymore, but you know he's he still makes good plays. He still you know he can still be effective but they just don't uh yeah they don't they don't look good at all my over etching argument here is that let's just look at the receiving core let's just go there i mean the last couple years with new england brady was extremely frustrated with how the receiving core is look at what he has in tampa right so i mean you you gotta understand that but like even now, like even in Brady's latter years, even in those Super Bowl runs, those teams, you could even make the argument were severely depleted for what Brady needed. Severely depleted, especially last year, even though it wasn't Super Bowl year. But like, and now with, with Cam, like this is something that we haven't even talked about, but like his number one target is who? Jacoby Myers right now? Like, there's not, there's nothing there. And you could, and I, so 
I mean, look, if you're Belichick, that's kind of why you would make the sold out argument. But I, I would make an art, I would make an argument that the receiving core that they've had over the last, let's say, three Super Bowls in New England haven't even been that good other than Edelman. So what do you want me to say if you want to just pinpoint that, for instance? Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, I, I do think that Edelman is pretty underrated. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I mean, he's not like a, a top 10 guy by any means, but you know, he's definitely, I think he's definitely capable of being a good wide receiver one. But, but that's it. I don't think he can carry a whole receiving core like he has been, you know what I mean? Um, because he's, you know, he's really a slot guy at the end of the day he's not but they're asking him to be you know like some deep threat and all this other stuff but he's just not really you know what i mean Mm -hmm. so um so it's it's interesting i mean i you know they definitely they definitely need one more at least one more good receiver two would be nice though um, you know, a more a more consistent passer and a tight end. <laughs> would two and, would two would two let's say quality receivers like on the on the boundary and the perimeter, I should say, help Cam Newton in this offense? I mean, I would think so, you know, because he just he just needs more more guys he can trust, more places to go to, you know. Uh because he doesn't really have anything right now. So, eh, you know, it's, uh, I mean, I assume they're going to draft somebody, but they drafted the kill Harry two years ago. Yeah, I know. But knowing them, I don't know. They don't do well in the draft usually. So I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I'm still an Akil Harry believer. Brandon, your thoughts on the where the Belichick Brady divorce stands currently? Mm, I think Brady is winning. That is all. That's it. That's it for you on there. Although Brady is, I think it helps him tremendously that he is in an organization like Tampa where that he has actually so many, wants to give him that wants to help he, Brady where he has so many weapons, you know, to end like a, in a pretty good defense. And even then he's still only five and two. It's not like they're undefeated or something. So I don't know. It, they're just giving Brady what he wants. They're making him very comfortable, even though he can get frustrated on a lot of those national TV games. That's something to keep I, in mind for this game as well. That's something to keep in mind for this game as well. Look at the Patriots, or I mean, not the Patriots, the Buccaneers, during national TV games. They are not the same team. So that's something to no. keep in mind for this one. Maybe Antonio Brown changes that. Yeah, I saw uh, this funny meme. It was like, um, it said Tom Brady is, is like, Nick Fury and Tampa Bay assembling the Avengers. <laughs> um, or Bruce Arians or somebody. Yeah. Uh, to finish off our NFL stuff for today, uh, Richie James of the losing side of that Thursday night game uh, for the 49ers, he popped off in fantasy 33.4. Uh, 
uh, fantasy points using ESPN standard PPR. He is our MVP for Thursday Night Football this week. Let's move on to the NBA, and we'll even get to the NHL as well. We got some updates for uh, the restart or the official start of their 2020-2021 season. The NBA season uh, has been approved to start on December 22nd, of course, accommodating for the Olympics and for the 2021-2022 season uh, to begin on time. Uh, the NBA and NBA PA are planning to discuss how to open free agency quickly after the draft, which the draft is coming up. We're coming up on November 18th, which will be the uh, NBA draft. Again, we talked about how this draft is honestly pretty terrible, uh, which honestly might make for some entertainment, um, hmm. not only now, but down the line for these prospects. Uh, but we might get to that more next week. Uh, training camps are supposed to start on December 1st. Um, and again, they're still negotiating the new CBA. We'll see if they do the force majeure clause. Uh, the force majeure clause, I think, is in every CBA for every league, which basically says uh, things like natural disasters or, in this case, a pandemic. The owners can say, hey, we're terminating the CBA. We're going to renegotiate, uh, which could happen here. Uh, so they still have to figure out what the CBA looks like or if they uh, enact the former jerk clause. It's been a rocky road there so far for the NBA as they have pushed that deadline uh, constantly. Um, I would imagine that is due to the election though. Uh, so we'll see, but Brandon, I'll go to you. And I want to specifically talk about one team in particular, uh, the champions, the Los Angeles Lakers. How do the Lakers with LeBron James and Anthony Davis, how do they approach even the Heat as well, we can talk about them also. How do they approach this December 22nd start with such a quick turnaround from you know, winning the championship literally three weeks ago or playing in the championship with the Miami Heat um, to now starting up on December 22nd? How do both of those teams approach that, particularly the Lakers? I actually would argue that they would have a little bit of an advantage because like, they'll have they'll – have... Yes, they've played the, the most, right? But they've also played with their teammates the most recent. So, in a way, having a season start soon after ending, they maintain a lot of what they built well, during I, the season. I will say there's a caveat there. For the Heat, you're correct. But for the Lakers, their bench is going to be completely different. Oh, that's true. Because Rondo's Sorry. gaining a lot of interest from the Celtic, or excuse me, for the Clippers, for instance. Their bench is going to be much different this year than it was last year. So for the Heat, I think you're right. Pat Riley has been very open about keeping this roster together, but for the Lakers, not as much. So how does that change uh, your approach uh, for the Lakers? Yeah, I think uh, the Lakers will have a harder time then. I think the teams that are, that's – I think you're going to see a lot of teams kind of – stick together try and stick together um i don't think you're gonna see a ton of of moves this offseason mm-hmm. um but it'll be interesting i mean i i for one i'm excited uh december 22nd you know just a couple days before christmas yeah um a, a couple things before i go to shane as well this free agency brandon's right it's gonna be very weird we'll see how the contracts look and all that this is not enticing for agency. It could be very slow. It is also interesting that the trade rumors have been remarkably slow, slower than usual um, for the NBA. That could be a good thing, though. We'll see, on, I believe, on draft night how that looks. But, Shane, uh, 
if you're the Lakers, how do you approach uh, starting so quickly? You know, I mean, I, I look at it. It's like, you know, we got the ring. Okay. If we don't get another one this year, it's not the end of the world, right? I mean, it's not like LeBron's running out of time, though, to catch up with MJ. You would think you would need a couple more to really solidify that spot. Well, that's his problem. Uh, <laughs> it is. Um, <clears throat> I mean, you know, it, it's more than just about him. That's the, at the end of the day. That is they true. Got, they got a whole because they got, you know, they got a team that's relatively old for basketball. Um, you know, I, I think they're really going to, even more so than last year, they're really going to put their faith in AD, uh, who's, you know, the guy that's, that's young and hot on that team. And um, I, feel like, I feel like they're going to get off to a bit of a slow start in the first month, just kind of, you know, because they're, I feel like they're still going to be kind of, you know, resting and relaxing after the, craziness that was last year <laughs> especially lebron i don't think lebron's gonna play much particularly in the first month yeah uh, just because i mean they don't want to risk injury or anything or whatever um and the fact that you know he spent four or five months in that bubble away from his family I it mean, was 93 it was 93 days was it? For the, yep, for the Los Angeles Lakers, I believe. Well, because they Something got there right. in like the middle of July, right? Beginning of July. Or beginning of July. Something like that. September, October. Oh, yeah, I guess it's about three months. Um, okay, anyways. He spent three months away from his family, uh, which is, I mean, that's still a really long time. It was a huge mental health thing for all the players. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I imagine he's kind of like, well, not just him, but, I mean, everybody, they're kind of like, do we really want to play right now? I kind of want to just relax for a minute with my with my family and friends. But, um, but you know, duty calls. So, <laughs> that's uh, – yeah, it should be – I don't know, it should be interesting. I mean, I, I imagine Miami, because they're a lot younger, and they – you know, I feel like they got something more to prove, you know, after coming so close to winning a title this year. Expectations are going to be higher. Yeah, yeah. And I, I feel like they're going to be putting a lot more pressure on themselves because it's like we got to make up for not winning last year. So we got to get out there and do this. You know what I mean? So it's like I feel like they're going to come out and be really fired up but then kind of tire themselves out in a way. Mm-hmm. I think uh, with Miami it's going to be interesting because they're in a spot where – the bubble was weird anyway, not to dismiss the Lakers title. We're not doing yeah. that. They deserve the title fair and square, but it was a weird uh, playoffs, particularly in the East for Miami to get where they got. They're still in, in a semi building position here. Um, whereas I don't know if Pat Riley and Spolstra know that currently. So it could be a wake up call halfway through the season in the trade deadline, but it could also be important in terms of what is the moving and shaking pieces of Miami is clearly going to be a top suitor for Giannis uh, going into 2021. Um, 
Bless you, the Shane. place I said he would go to. Uh, oh. Well, at least they are interested. <laughs> at least they're going to be pursuing that. Brandon, I'll go back to you to finish off the NBA stuff, and I want to talk about Golden State. Now, Golden State has the number two overall pick. You could look at a guy like James Wiseman. They're also interested in, uh, what is it, Devi Avi, uh, I believe the Israeli, um, or I forgot what country he's from. But he, he's also gained a lot of interest for, for, for uh, the Warriors. How do the Warriors approach this offseason to get to a point where they can be back in, t- in contention? Obviously, we don't know about Curry and Clay and their injuries, but they're clearly a team everyone's really excited to watch back at full strength. How do you feel about them going into this shortened season? The Golden State Warriors, I think, are going to be a team that won't have much trouble this year. Personally, I think that because I think they're a team that kind of the only reason they sucked last year was because all their play all their players got hurt, or all their players anybody cares about got hurt, which in this case is Clay and Steph. Um, you bring them back. I don't know how well. I it'll be interesting to see if Steph Curry is starting to enter his second phase of his career, where every basketball player inevitably gets to at some point at some point where they lose a little bit of their shot and they are just a little bit worse than they were when they started. But I think they'll be still pretty good. Mm -hmm. You know, we're going state. I I mean, I I think also one of the things I'm interested in is how does Wiggins role change a little bit in this offense is Wiggins on the trade block. Uh, There's been rumors with him as well. Um, but the Warriors, I don't know. I think I need the first month of the season to really figure them out uh, because I just – I want to see how Steph and Clay. You're, you're right, Brandon. Like, could this be a different stage not only for Steph but also for Clay as well? Uh, that could be interesting. Uh, Shane, really quickly, uh, your thoughts on the Warriors. Yeah, I do. I mean, I think he's probably entering more of the uh... – I guess like the, uh, you know, like where LeBron is now, where he's, he's, yeah, he's still good, but he's not like the guy, you know, he, he's more of a, uh, you know, like a leader mentor figure. Uh, and then, you know, they get a younger guy coming in there. Who's, you know, putting the lights out making all the, all the great plays and everything. Not that he's still earn uh wait yeah no <laughs> not that he's gonna just all of a sudden not be that good i mean he's still great obviously um, but you know i think if they can take advantage of their draft pick and then you know bring in like a, their next kind of like star you know mm-hmm. um i think they could end up being kind of like a, a laker team uh like this last year with like <clears throat> lebron as uh you know, or uh, with Steph as like the LeBron and then, you know, a new guy. And then, you know, Clay Thompson being kind of that, mm-hmm. you know, the third guy, if you will. So yep. this is going to be really important. This draft for the Warriors are going to be really important, not only for their short term, but their long term. If they get this pick right, uh, if they get a star, even a solid starter, uh, it actually changes their fortunes tremendously. But who yeah. knows? They might also trade the pick as well. Uh, moving on to the NHL, we got an update for for their start for uh, next season. Um, some rumors came out this week that some owners suggested skipping uh, this next season. Uh, 
um, due to the pandemic. Um, uh, multiple owners have argued the NHL will be better off financially if it shuts down next season instead of playing in empty arenas. Um, they're still developing plans currently, but there's disagreement on whether, again, whether it's all worth it. So uh, multiple owners, again, argued it might be better financially to shut the season down. The commissioner, Gary Bettman, has disagreed with this mindset, claiming it would make more long-term damage to the sport. If you remember, what was it, 2010? Brandon, you might be able to help me with this. What was it, 2010, 2011, when they had their lockout? Actually, they might have been... I think it was 11. I think it was like 11 or 12, same time as the NBA lockout, and how much it hurt their season because they were off for so long. Um, um, and then, though there could be a shortened season, league sources report that 48 games will be of absolute minimum. This is from ESPN's uh, Emily Cap, Amy, Amy Ka- Emily Kaplan, excuse me. Um, so, Brandon, your thoughts on where the NHL is at in their negotiations with owners saying we might not want to play, um, but Bettman uh, vehemently disagreeing. Where do you think the NHL is at currently? I think the NHL will end up playing. Because if they don't, I think the NHL is honestly has is the most precarious sport in terms of the national. Um, just because it's a sport that people, it's kind of at the bottom of the totem pole in terms of. Uh, the national sports. I think it kind of goes football, basketball, baseball, hockey um, that people pay attention to. So, Canadian revenue is also important there. And that's another piece um, with this that is going to be very difficult for the NHL compared to all the other leagues. It's even going to be difficult for the MLB and the NBA with them kind of trying to figure out the Blue Jays. It seems like the Blue Jays are going to go back to Buffalo next year. Um, and then we'll see what happens with Toronto. There's interest, what, Kentucky there. Um, with the Raptors, maybe Kansas City. Um, who knows with that, but uh, it's a much different situation with the amount of Canadian teams I could that see, are in the NHL. Yeah, I could see, honestly, it, it'll it be interesting to see where they end up because it kind of bums me out that Seattle doesn't have their arena built yet because it could be – it could have been a good sign for Seattle getting a team if, if, if Toronto, Toronto. Had ended up back here. Right. But also let, let's also with the NHL piece of it, how do they approach that? Cause it's even more of a struggle when you have what, how many Canadian teams they have in that league now? Six in the NBA. Oh no. In the NHL. Uh, Toronto, Edmonton, Vancouver, like Calgary, Vancouver, Montreal, Mon- yeah, Ottawa, Ottawa, yeah. There's eight, I think. Isn't yeah, there's seven, either or seven or eight. So, so I, how do you manage that? Yeah, it's, I don't know. It's going to be a struggle for them. I think you might have to split the. You may have to split the. I don't know. Um, I really don't know how they're going to make that work. So that's going to be a massive challenge for them on top of all these other things. Uh, And then finally, we didn't get to this uh, last week uh, because we had a lot of topics to cover in such a short amount of time. Uh, But I did want to get to uh, Khabib's retirement. Uh, Khabib Nurmagomedov retired, what is it now, 29-0. and 
your thoughts on Khabib's career, Brandon, and where you rank him on your GOAT list. He'll be back. Your thought is he'll be back for 30, you know. He'll be back. Is it going to be GSP? He's, he's not going to walk away from... Dana's going to find him. He's going to get a super fight to, to end it. And I think it'll be too enticing for him not to come back for that 30 and 0. Um, Is it GSP? I don't know if it'll be GSP because I feel like GSP's been out for too long. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe I could see maybe it being Connor v. Uh, Khabib round three. To you end think it. you think Khabib wants to fight Connor I, in his retirement know, fight? I do. I think Khabib would love to put Connor on his ass one more time <laughs> and the, and walk out just like I'm out. I beat him. I beat him every time. As it stands right now, currently, where's Khabib on your goat list? Well, are we talking about in his weight class? No, all time. God. And pound so for pound. Tough. Pound for pound. He's he's in the top five pound for pound. Oh, well, yeah. This is official. I mean, he's top five, but there's so many, like, I guess, well, uh, GSP is probably my one. Mm-hmm. Um, That's fair. GSP is, I argue, arguably could say GSP one, Khabib two. DC, where where's John Jones Ooh, in on your list? Oh fuck no! You why yeah. no John Jones no? Because here's the thing. My, my top thing. five is that here's my top five. Right, it goes GSP, Khabib, DC, Bisping. Okay, Bisping, and then um, Connor. Mm-hmm. That's I, top five. I'm pretty close with that list. I mean, you got to add a couple of the guys from the older eras. So, um, I don't know, the Iceman, Chuck Liddell would be there if we really want to go deep pound for pound. So, that's kind of what makes it tough for me on the spot. I know probably tough for you as well. But, that, I mean, I think he's top five. But um, the hardest part for me is that I wish his career went on like another 10 more fights because if it did and he kept dominating the way he has – uh, there would have been no question he would have been at the top of the GOAT list. Well, so, yeah, I mean, Khabib's fight, he, this last fight he did, he literally just, like, walked in, did his thing, left. I, I love watching Khabib because of his ground game. I mean, it's just, it's it, you think, you worry about his top game so much, but his top game is even really good, but it's like the ground game is, I've never seen anyone in history perform that well on the ground. Yeah. It's it's just he finishes fights so quickly it's amazing, um, but uh, happy retirement, Khabib. If it is the end, um, I don't know. Uh, Fighting is a weird sport in that sense. They uh, always come back. They really always come back. Yeah, <laughs> at least uh, at least once or twice. Yeah, um, and that is it for today. Thanks for a great show, guys, and um, we'll see you all on Sunday for uh, the post show as we always do. So. Have a great weekend, everybody. Thanks, yes, Brandon. Yes. Thanks, Shane. Good good show as always. Thank you. See you all on Sunday. <laughs>